together. You know, the only day we could do it was Sunday morning, I guess. But, you know, hey, what are you going to do? We were smart enough not to put anything in our feed, so. Anyway, uh, Wolfstein should be on his way. Uh, I thought we'd be have fun today. I was going to do the original The Outer Limit on Dimension X, which is an awesome fucking um, show hosted by the one and only Don Pardo from the 50s. It's really fucking cool, and uh, that's what we're going to run it with. I was going to talk about some shit, but uh, we're going to get this on. I'm going to explode. Watch out. I'm going to explode. Like atomic bombs For the seas of mutiny radio.fm In time and space Transcribed in future tense. Dimension. Can you predict what will come in 100 years, or in 10, or in the next minute? Some people think they can. Nuclear science, mathematicians, astronomers, biologists. They'll predict the shape of the future because they make the future. Because they see beyond the known dimensions of time and space into the unknown dimension X. We go ahead now in time to 1965. We're on a vast concrete runway set in the desert of the southwest. A giant metal ship stands before us prow pointed for the stars, and in five minutes the signal will flash and it will tear up through the atmosphere to the outer limit. Attention. Attention. Fairfield for takeoff. Fairfield. Five minutes, Steve. All right. Takeoff. Climb her up, Charlie. Climb her over. I want to go over procedure again, Steve. Don't worry, I got it straight. We'll just make sure. Okay. I take her up on jets to 50,000, then I cut in the rocket. No lower, or your tail blast will burn out three counties. I climb four minutes on rockets, then start maneuver test. Remember that, no more than four minutes. Right. This ship isn't like those strata rockets you've been testing. She's the first one built for outer space. If she works, she can go clear to the moon. If I'd have known that, I'd have brought my toothbrush. Well, not this trip. Now get this, Steve. You've got power there to clear the Earth's gravitational field. But remember, after you cut in the rockets, you've only got ten minutes fuel. If you go beyond the outer limit and don't save fuel for the return... I know, I won't get down again. That's right, Steve. You'll drift off into space. Get that now. Ten minutes fuel. Gotcha. As far as I'm concerned, this project is a lot more important than that cosmic ray bomb they're testing out in the Pacific tonight. Well, the Security Commission brass doesn't think so. I don't see any undersecretaries under anything. Don't worry. In the long run, our ship will make the CR bomb back-page stuff. But in the meantime, it's just as dangerous. Remember, half the principles in this ship are pure theory, Steve. Slide rule stuff. If anything goes wrong, we may have to scrape you off the landscape with a soup spoon. You have a charming sense of humor. And here's what I'm getting at. We're risking your neck in this test. If anything blows, we don't want to have the next man pull the same boner. I know, Hank. So keep your mic open and keep talking. If anything goes wrong, we want to know exactly why. And we won't be able to ask you. Let us know before you pull every switch. Before you do anything. You got that? Yeah. 
even if you only have to blow your nose. All right, get those fuel lines away. Okay, Mr. Well, I guess that's about all, Steve. Yeah, that reminds me. Look, if Mary calls, I'm just up on a milk run. I didn't tell her today was it. How is she? She's okay, but she's due about now, and I don't want her to be nervous. Hey, I didn't know the baby was that close. Yeah. Steve, I, I really ought to be sending a single man on this job. What, and cut me out of a soft paycheck? Forget it, Hank. You know, you can't get anybody else who can take 15 G's acceleration when those rockets cut in. Yeah, I know. It's time, Steve. Yeah. Well, see you later. Don't worry, Hank. I'll sweat for both of us. Button her up, Charlie. So long, Hank. So long. We'll give you the light from control. Okay, Steve. Got you on the speaker. I'm ready to go. Mr. Hanson. Ready on radar, Sergeant? Check. Mr. Hanson, you better see this. What is it, Elsa? Message center for Steve. Mrs. Weston just left for the hospital. What? Hello, Steve. Yeah. Stand by a minute. Shall we hold the takeoff, Mr. Hanson? What? Oh, yes. Uh, no, wait, wait just a minute. It's uh, it's too late now. You going to tell him? Maybe he's got enough to worry about. Hey, what's holding us up, Hank? Something on your mind? No, no, it's, uh, it's nothing, Steve. I just wanted to say good luck. Clear for takeoff, Charlie? Right. Okay, give him the light. All right, Steve, I'm reading you clear. Got that, Charlie? Check. Uh, dead center on radar, Mr. Hanson. 50,000 now. Cutting out the port jet. Now the starboard. Off jet. Airspeed dropping. Opening the rocket. Let's... Let's fix a little, Charlie. Knock the alcohol. Pressure at 350. All right, now I'm advancing the ignition key. Here goes rocket one. You all right? Yeah. Like somebody slapped me with a sledgehammer. Airspeed now, 1200. Here goes number two. Still climbing. Altitude, 297 miles. All right, you're at the outer limit. Level off for maneuver test. You've got exactly six minutes fuel left. Okay. Starting a three-degree left bank. It's a little sluggish. Yeah, it's all right now. There's a low vibration someplace. Maybe the cockpit hatch. Now I'm straightening out. Five minutes fuel left. Now I'm starting a three-degree... Hey! Something up here. Something shining. What are you talking about? There's something above me, Hank. I'm going to chase it. Steve, Steve, you're at the outer limit now. I can see it plain now. Steve, don't go any higher. You've only got four minutes left. You've only got. It's static. I can't hear you, Hank. It's dead ahead now. I'm going to make a pass at it. Get a good look. Hey, it's swerving to meet me. It's dead ahead now. It's dead ahead.
Hello, Steve. Steve, come in. Nine minutes, fuel gone. Still no sign on radar. Hello, hello, Steve. Steve, what's happened? Charlie, get out the crash squad. Tell the Army squadron to alert their search planes. Right. Nine and a half minutes gone. Hello. Hello, Steve. What's happened? Hello. Who the devil is it? Charlie, Hello. Mr. Hanson. Come in, Steve. We need a search squad. Come in. No, Mr. Hanson's busy. Hello. Hello, Steve. Hello, Steve. Ten minutes, Mr. Hanson. At the end of the fuel. How long has it been now? Ten hours, Mr. Hanson. Nothing more on radar, Sergeant? Screen's blank. Colonel Corelli called in. Search planes are back. They didn't find anything. Should be some trace. He couldn't have bailed out, could he? You don't hit the silk at 4,400 miles an hour. Either went past the outer limit, ran out of fuel, something blew, and we'll find the pieces scattered from here to the coast. Why does it have to be the best man? Always the best man. I'll get it. Charlie... Charlie, we you know we've got to Back figure home. out what was wrong. Yes. All right, I'll tell you. Something something Sorry. must have blown. Yeah. There's a message from Northside Hospital for for Steve. Well, what is it? Mrs. Weston's fine. It's a boy. Thank you, Elsie. It's a boy, Charlie. Oh, fine, fine. It's a boy. He didn't even know she went to the hospital. How am I going to tell Mary that? It wasn't your fault, Mr. Hanson? Ship had to be tested. Yeah, yeah, we'll build another one, and some other flying fool will shoot past the outer limit into space. Oh, I'm getting old, Charlie. You can remember when I used to take him up myself. Now I've got to send other men. It's a job, Mr. Hanson. Now I'm afraid. Every time I hear a jet go off, I jump. Every time I have to send someone up in a new model, I start to sweat. Mr. Hanson? Yeah? I think there's something on the radar. No flights scheduled in, either, Elsie? We have the whole day cleared. It's coming in behind us. Here it comes over the building. What crazy jockey is buzzing the field like that? Is that an army plane, Charlie? I can't see. It's turning. Charlie, alert the field. I know that engine. Steve. That's impossible. That's his ship. It can't be. Well, there's no other model like that. It's Steve, all right. It's coming in. Thank God. All right, sit down, Steve. The quicker we get this done, the quicker you get over to see Mary and the baby. Hank. Elsie, give the order to check and refuel the rockets. I don't want anybody in here till I get Steve's reports. Bury any calls. All right, let's have it. What the devil happened to you? Hank, does that cosmic ray bomb still go off tonight? What are you talking about? Straighten out, Steve. Where you been for the last ten hours? Listen, Hank. There's something more important. Come on, come on. I've got to get a report on the screen to Washington, so let's have it. I've got to know how you stretch ten minutes' fuel to keep you in the air for ten hours. Now, one thing before I talk. Look, Steve. Have the Geiger men run over the ship before they refuel. What'd you run into? So help me, Hank. I don't know. We better check and make sure it isn't radioactive. Elsie, add a Geiger report on the standard check. Steve, maybe we better have the doc look you over, too. No, no, I'll be all right. They said I'd be all right. They? Look, son, I know you've had a tough time, but we've had this field on the alert for ten hours. One of the army boys cracked up looking for you, and he's hurt bad. So let's have the story. Let's have it straight. I don't know how to tell you. Hank, 
I saw something up there. At 300 miles? I chased something up there, Hank. And I caught it. Now, don't hand me that. Listen to you. I was cruising along, just starting the right bank, when I spotted something. It must have been going about half my speed. It was egg-shaped and smooth. I made a pass at it, and I was coming back for another, and then there was a humming sound. Humming? A sort of vibration. And I blacked out. I was headed straight for it at 4,400 miles an hour. I thought it was going to be the biggest smash since Hiroshima, and... I guess I was drinking that bottle. Never mind that, Steve. What happened? I came to inside their ship. Uh-huh. Steve, this whole thing has been a devil of a strain on you. I'm going to call Major Donaldson from the Army base. Ask him to sit in. The psychiatrist? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Let him run his tests. He'll tell you I'm not kidding. Because, Hank, unless I miss my guess, I've just been tipped off to the way the world ends. All right, Mr. Weston, suppose you continue your story. Yes, let's have it, Steve. You woke up inside the ship? Yes, and uh, the place was jammed with machinery. Hmm. Dials, blinkers. I couldn't recognize anything. And you were surrounded by these men from Mars? I didn't say anything about men from Mars. I didn't even say they were men. I couldn't see them clearly. They were just there. Where did they come from, then? Another galaxy. Millions of miles outside of our solar system. That's all I know. You figure out where they came from. And they came all that distance to find the Earth? Yes. Did they tell you that? Yes. You mean they spoke English to you? No, no, they didn't. It's funny. I hadn't thought. They didn't really speak to me at all. They just planted the thoughts in my mind. You mean thought transference, telepathy? Yes, that's right. Well, Steve, what brought them here? We did, Hank. We rang their bell. We brought them in. Well, how? With our atomic explosions. Hank, that's why you've got to stop that bomb test tonight. Uh, I'll give up. Look, you've got to believe me, Hank. Oh, how can I make you understand? Maybe I can help, Mr. West. Would you submit to narcopsychometry? What's that? Under proper drugs, I can put you back in this, uh, ship. By suggestion. Then we can get a playback record of your memory pattern on the audio circuit. And how long will that take? Half an hour. We'll have to go over to the lab. Will you believe me if it checks? It will give us an accurate memory picture of what your mind reports. All right, let's go. Hank, you gotta believe me, we haven't got much time. You should be getting drowsy now. Count backwards from ten. Nine. Eight. We attach the head plate electrodes. Cortical pickup. Look out for that wire, Mr. Henson. 3-0 setting. 31.3. Now throw that switch, Mr. Henson. I have to start him off by suggestion. All right, Steve. You're in your ship now. You're in the rocket. Rocket. You're in the rocket. You're in the rocket, and you've just sighted something strange. Now I'm starting at three degree right. What's that? Hey, 
There's something up here. Something shiny. His memory pattern. We're picking it up electronically. There's something above me, Hank. I'm going to chase it. It's piped through the audio circuits. I'm getting static. I can't hear you, Hank. This is where we lost contact with him. I'm going to make a pass at it and... Hey, it's swerving to meet me. It's not ahead now. It's not ahead. Now, boss. This is where he blacked out. There's no telling how long, minutes or hours. What's that noise? I don't know, quiet. Where? How did I get in here? What? Who are you? Is he seeing things? Intergalactic patrol? What's that? What are they saying, Steve? What are they saying? It's about nuclear fission. They know about it. They know the danger of it. Long ago, they had wars that almost destroyed them. But finally, they learned. Now they've outlawed war. Go on, Steve. They patrol space. When their detector picks up an atomic explosion, they send a patrol. What are they going to do? They've quarantined us. Quarantined? They've isolated the Earth. Because we don't know how to control ourselves yet. And until we learn, we'll be a menace to the whole universe. What is this nonsense? How are they going to do it, Steve? They've spread a layer out here of... I don't know how to call it. All around the Earth. It's miles deep. When there's an atomic explosion on Earth, the radioactive particles will drift up to this layer and set off a chain reaction. It'll go around the world in microseconds. And that's the end. The end? What's he... Wait, wait. Yes. Yes. I understand. I've got to bring back the warning. You're going to put me back in my ship to bring the warning. Now what? Blacked out again. I guess that's all. What does all that mean? It's what he remembers. You don't think that really happened? No, no. Narcosychometry circuits produce what he remembers. It just means that Steve believes this happened. I don't uh, like to see this. Uh, I've seen too many top uh, pilots snap. Steve is the best I've known. <laughs> How bad do you think he is? Frankly, outside of the presence of this well-organized hallucination, there's no sign of unbalance. Oh. May not be too serious. If he had a more plausible story, I'd be inclined to believe Warning. him. Warning. Hank. It's all right, boy. Did you hear it, Hank? You understand? Sure, sure. We've, we've been quarantined. Now let me give you something to make you sleep, Steve. But don't you understand? They fixed it so that if we set off one more nuclear explosion, that'll be it. Of course. Don't roll your sleeve down. You don't believe me. Now, take it easy, Steve. For the pest tonight. They're setting off the CR bomb. Hank, what time is it? 11.20. Well, it's scheduled for midnight. Hank, we've got to stop that bomb. Steve, let Donaldson give you the hypo. Hank, you've got to believe me. I saw them. I got the warning. If we touch off that bomb tonight, it'll be the biggest galactic Fourth of July of all time. The whole Earth will go up like a Roman candle. April 10th, 1965, the end. Now, look, Steve, you better calm down. Don't you want to see Mary and the baby? You've got a new son, remember? Yeah, that's just it, Hank. I want to see my son. I want him to live. If that bomb goes off, Hank, we've got to stop them. Mr. Hanson, I think we'd better get over to the base hospital. Hank, you've got to believe yeah, me. Sure, sure, Steve. Maybe there is something to it. Look, it's out of your hands. I'll put it in a report and shove it into Washington in the morning. In the morning? There isn't going to be any morning, Hank. Don't you understand? You've got to call Washington now. Get the head of the security commission and postpone that test. Now, you know I can't do that, Steve. My neck would be out a mile. Besides, this is 1965, not 45. Twenty countries have atomic bombs now. What's the use of stopping just this one? 
The rest will keep right on popping them Well, we'll have to call an international conference. Can't you understand, Hank? The first one that goes off finishes us at the end. They've given us the quarantine warning. Steve, I think you'd better go with us to the base hospital. Look, Steve. We can call up for a detail if we have to. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll go with you. You don't need a straight jacket. That's the way, Steve. You'll probably feel better by morning. Let's go. Well, Steve, tomorrow I'll drive you over to the hospital to see Mary and the kid. Sure. Look at the ship under the floodlights. Pretty, huh? You'll be flying her again soon, don't you worry. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, what you doing out in the line? The, uh, refueler? Yeah, we got Clausewitz coming in tomorrow from Denver for another test. Figure we give you a day off. That's good. That's fine. Steve! Steve, come back! Come on, Donald. Steve! Steve, wait! He's heading for the rockets. Look, there he goes up. That crazy fool. We can't get at him now. That covers armor glass. He's waving. Now towards control. It's the radio. He needs the radio. Come on. I should have gotten help. Well, the radio's still hooked up here. Hello. Hello, Steve. Listen to me, Hank. You gotta call Washington now. Come out of that rocket, Steve. I'll call my men. Don't try anything, Hank. They refueled the rocket for tomorrow. Take it easy, Steve. Listen, you know what'll happen when I fire the rocket tubes down here? Steve, don't. They'll burn out every building for five miles. All of us in one big blast. Steve, what do you want? You've got to stop that bomb. you got to call Washington right now. They won't believe me. You make that call or I cut in the rocket. Now, I mean it, Hank. Now, hook my screen to yours in parallel. I want to see exactly what you're doing. All right, all right. Just don't fire those rockets. Get going, Hank. you got 12 minutes to make that call and stop that bomb. All right, I'm making the parallel hookup right now. Donaldson, you think he'll really blast? I don't know. Up to now, I'd almost say he was normal, but now he's liable to do anything, Hanson. Steve, Steve, there, you're getting it on your screen? Yeah. Now put that call through. All right. Operator. Visit screen to Washington. The visit screen circuits are busy, sir. If you'll try again in half an hour. This is Security Commission priority. Break in, get me a line. Yes, sir. Just a moment, please. Ten minutes, Hank. Listen, Steve, I'm trying. We're ready to take your call, sir. Uh, Washington, Security Commission three. This is urgent. I want Undersecretary Herbert Ames. Washington, three. One moment, please. Hurry, will you? One moment, please. What time is it, Donaldson? 11.51. Do you think he'll fire those rockets? He might. Washington? Visit screen three. Mr. Herbert Ames, please. That is a coded exchange. I cannot accept your call without clearance. Get it through, Hank! Listen, Washington, put it through. This is Mr. Hansen at San Marco Air Base. This is a priority call. I'm coded. One moment, please. I will check your code number. Get that through, Hank, and that bomb goes off at 12. Will you be reasonable, Steve? I... Your call has cleared, San Marco. Washington, visit screen three. Herbert Ames, please. Security Commission Ames. Listen, Ames. Hello, Hans. Ames, you've got to get me to the chief. Are you kidding? He's at the test control room. Yes, I know, but get him for me. What's up? You look lousy. Or is it a bad circuit? There's no time. I've got to get him before the test. It's about the CR bomb. I can't take that responsibility. Get that through, Hank. Right plan. Hey, what's going on there? Ames, my project has a high enough rating. This is a priority A call. What? Well, okay, it's your neck. I'll try to get him for you. He's in the control room, so you'll have to switch off your screen and speaker and go on earphones. Too much going on in there. Ruling. You hear that, Steve? I've got, I've got to cut the incoming screen. All right, but don't try anything. Eight minutes, Hank. Hello. Hello. What? You got him, Hank? Yes. This, this is Hanson at San Marco. No, sir. Priority A request to cancel the bomb test. No, no, I'm serious. This is deadly serious. 
We sent the X2 JTR up today to the outer limit. We uncovered evidence. Yes, on the automatic instruments. What's that? No possible chain reaction. No, I, I can't tell you the whole story. There isn't time here. Yes, yes, I, I'll bring the readings into Washington in the morning. You've got to postpone the test till you see them. Look, I've worked on contracts with the commission for ten years. Yes, yes, I have complete confidence in my information. You can record that. All right, I, I'll call you back immediately. Bye. Hank? Hank? He's agreed to cancel, Steve. The bomb won't go off. All right, boy. You can come down out of that ship. He's opening up. Here he comes. All right, Steve. Come on down. Sure, Hank. Just a second. Hank, I was scared. I was plain scared. Easy now. It's all over. The bomb won't go off. Thank God. Look, uh, I want to see Mary and the baby. Can you get me transportation now? Well, wait a minute. It's almost 12. They won't let you in the hospital now. I want to see the baby. Sure you do, but you've been under a strain. I've got a shot for you here, Steve. Give you a good night's sleep. All right. Roll up your sleeve. Yeah, yeah. Sergeant will find you a bed. Yes, sir. Come on, Mr. Weston. Okay. Good night, Hank. I'm kind of beat. It's been a tough night. It sure has. I thought for a minute he was going to blast those rockets and send us all to Kingdom Come. Yeah. Quite a stunt getting the ray bomb test called off. It isn't called off. But the chief said... Ames couldn't get the chief. I was talking to a dead circuit. Bomb goes off in a couple of minutes. Oh. Poor Steve. He was one of the best. He was the best. One in ten million. Some story of this, poor guy. For a while, he almost had me believing that quarantine. That's a very common delusion. End of the world. Yeah. I suppose so. Ah, it's a nice night. Never saw the stars so bright. We better be getting in. That wind is cold. Huh? Well, the bomb goes off in 30 seconds. Poor Steve. You know, Hanson, there's just one thing. Yeah? It's outside my field, but I'm curious. How did he keep that ship in the air for 10 hours with only 10 minutes fuel? just heard another adventure in time, space, and the unknown world of the future. The world of Dimension <laughs> Next week, a star of the future appearing on the program of the future... Dimension X. Next week, Miss Nancy Olson, the talented young actress whose performance in Sunset Boulevard marks her as one of Hollywood's most promising young actresses, 
becomes the first of a group of rising young artists of stage and screen who have been invited to make an appearance in this series. So listen then for Hello Tomorrow, starring Nancy Olsen on Dimension X. Tonight, Dimension X has transcribed The Outer Limits, written by Graham Dorr and adapted for radio by Ernest Canoy. Featured in the cast were Wendell Holmes as Hanson, Joseph Julian as Steve, and Joe DeSantis as Donaldson. Your host was Norman Rose. Music by Albert Berman, engineer Bill Chambers. Dimension X is produced by Van Woodward and directed by Edward King. See, when I was young, uh, Tracy Allman was one of the uh, biggest fucking like new comedy stars out of England, and um, she was starting her show, and um, she used to do this really great Chrissy McNichol cover that um, started it, and I'm gonna fucking play it. Heard of the Mark III. If I could get everything right. Uh, my throat. Anyway, before I do that, I was going to, um, I'm, of course, as usual, now that I got this dumb switch, I'm, like, my attention is shattered. So I'm sitting here uh, fussing with this new game I got. The uh, new, well, it's old, sort of. It's like, I think it's two years or a year old. And they should be bringing out Dragon Builders Quest 2, hopefully, sometime like Christmas or something, but I wanted to get my feet wet because I like these kind of games, and this one's especially fun because I played the demo and I'd heard about it and everything. So I went and I got Dragon Quest Builders, and it's really a fun game. Um, <clears throat> it's got really funny dialogue, and uh, like in like it's like got game jokes in like in-game jokes. It's got like RPG type jokes, you know, like um. One of the funny things that they'll do is they'll have the uh, characters like your NPC type, your non-player character types that are sitting out there. And uh, like they, it's like they've done this game so many times, like the people who make these types of games have played these types of games so many times that they just they have these really humorous answers and shit to shit. It's really funny. I don't want to like like well, you can't really ruin it, but <clears throat> But, like, um, they'll ask you shit like, what are you, psychic? You always seem to be able to walk over to me when I have something to say. You know, and that's because they have a big fucking exclamation point above their head when you're playing the game. It's like, it's, you know, it's got those kind of metagame qualities and shit. And one of the funniest ones is one I just sort of ran into when I'm playing this third stage. Like, there's a routine to the game, basically. Every level you start with nothing. Like, they sort of, um uh like memory swipe you at the ev at the end of every section so like you build up your base you talk to these people you rebuild the town you defeat the local enemy right <clears throat> and then your mind's blank like you get fucking stronger you get better weapons all that shit and then they blank your mind and then you start again 
now you know as a player right and then uh so you go to the new place like you'll forget how to do all this stuff which isn't completely true once again it's sort of funny how the game does this because like you don't remember like how to be all big and shit but you certainly remember how to build like every fucking blueprint and everything you learned from before so it's like a partial memory swipe you know it's really sort of funny that way and um <laughs> uh and in the third section they get to this part where like well we gotta kill the big bad let's go get them yeah fuck these guys because every fucking stage gets harder and harder too this is pretty cool like it's really sort of funny. The first stage, I think I died once. Second stage, I know I died twice. In the third stage, I've already died three times. So it's like, you know, if you're not prepared in the game, you can find yourself sort of ass out. So it's pretty funny. Um, so, yeah, so she's like, yeah, 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 well, let's kill the big bad. But, um, oh, yeah, but before I get to all that, I was trying to break down how the structure of the, each chapter goes. All right, so you get in the town, you build, yeah, that's what I said, you build the town, you go and you leave. All right, but in, in one of those steps in building the town is, uh, you get three portals eventually, like, like, uh, you get a red, blue, and a green one, or a blue, red, and a green one in that order. So, like, um, first you get to the town, you rescue like the first person sometimes, or the first person will be there and they'll have you something to do and you got to build just rudimentary shit and you're out getting everything together. And then eventually, um, like, you know, because you're like a beacon of light, it's really funny. Like the way that they're just like, Hey, you're a beacon, like in a big ass beacon of light is like what you run and plant your flag in at the beginning. <laughs> it's really funny. Just like, it's, it's like. It's super sort of dry, but if you if you know what the fuck they're sort of doing, it's especially funny. Like, you know, like if you know the tropes and I've never been a huge fan of like, it's really funny. I, I don't like Sword and Sandal flicks movies or sci-fi movies that much for some weird reason. But I like, I love Philip K. Dick. I love adventure stories. It's really weird. I don't understand that shit, but. Like and I like old like sci-fi radio, but for some reason I think it's something to do with like interpretations of imagination or something, you know. And also with like um, with uh, like I like playing Dungeons and Dragons, but I we played like this weird desert thing with like ogres and psionics and weird shit. But the uh, what I was thinking with well, Dark Sun is what it was called, but um. But I just can't stand those fucking movies. But I've been playing fucking RPG shit since, like, early computer, like, dungeon crawly, like, <laughs> like barely 3D. You know, you got to type in everything you want to do. And if you get the command word wrong, you're fucked. It's like I've been playing these things my whole life. But I do not like uh, sword and sandal flicks. I just, I don't know. Like, uh, even Conan. And I like Conan, but fuck. It's like, first off, I'm John Milius can need this neither here nor there for me. I don't know. He's a little too high on his own ass. But, you know, whatever. You know, he's in Hollywood. What do you expect? He's a good dude. You know, he never, like, fucking <laughs> gross. As far as I can tell, he never was, like, a grosso. He was, you know, his. I think his greatest crime is he was, like, a, a, a showy conservative or some shit, maybe. You know, like, um, who's that? uh Clint Eastwood that's a good name that's a really good example Clint Eastwood um but that whole fucking genre 
for some reason, I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. But one of my favorite earliest stories to read was the legend of King Arthur and Uther and all that shit. I was really big into that. So I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me when it comes to that shit. But I love playing these types of games. You know, like, I don't know. It's weird, too. Like, I sort of scare easy with, like, gross shit and big-ass monsters and shit. It's, like, not my bag for some reason. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, I it, it's fun sort of for me in this, like, digital environment or something. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me. I just, I like, I have, I think because I generally, it's because the shit generally has no stakes, not that they don't have stakes, but it's like, I, I you know, it's like, gives a fuck about Kroll. <laughs> He's a dick, you know? Just like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Like, it's just like, I don't, I, you know what? I think part of it is I've never wanted to be a pirate. I never thought the idea of raping and looting and all that shit sounds fun to me. No. Nah. I'm good. <laughs> it's like this nigga that was talking about, uh, uh, Black Panther is a hate movie or some shit. This nigga Leslie, some shit. And he's all, he, I, you know, he's talking about how, well, the movie's about how the black liberators just get wiped out, you know? And it's just about a movie about black people killing black people. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> but this is why I don't like hanging around a whole lot of niggas all day. <laughs> I like diversity in my life. That's all. Like, I can't stand that shit. Like basically the bad the guy's playing. He's not the bad guy. He's just a guy in the movie, which it makes it more interesting. Is that like he wants to do like black revolutionary shit in a like in the most violent way. Not in a Black Panther way, which is sort of the fucking point of the movie this guy's missing, but like just straight up, let's arm all the black people and let him just kill everybody. <laughs> which you know, a lot of people have a lot of fucking injustices. It's not just black people, motherfucker, first off. <laughs> you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, and that certainly, of all the answers, that is not the answer. Because, like, I've been in rooms of black people where they can barely get along after just a few fucking drinks. I don't need them having the world's most dangerous material just higgly-biggly. Niggas won't even shop in their own fucking stores with their own fucking people. I own the store. I know. <laughs> right? Niggas don't support each other. So how in the fuck do you expect these motherfuckers are, what are you going to get together and do this? <laughs> it's the dumbest argument I've ever heard. I Like, half of me just wants to say, well, he's just starting to just start shit. And the other half of me is like, I, I, I'm too old to give a fuck, right? If I was young, <laughs> I'd be out there, man, fuck this guy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look. It's a, just a horrifying position. Because I was thinking about it laying in bed <laughs> last night. I was going... If all these motherfuckers around here all of a sudden one day had, like, the power to just basically, like, kill at will, I'm not in. And I don't give a fuck. Like, if, I'm like, what side are you going to be on? I ain't on no side. That's the thing. <laughs> you guys are crazy. I don't want to kill anybody. I couldn't even, you know what's fucked up? I had to kill somebody almost to save my own life in a dream. And I, I woke up before I had to do it. Like, we fought over this knife. Like, it was like a, like one of those things where he, he's holding the knife towards me and, you know, and I'm trying to turn it around and I got fucking skinny wrists and arms and I'm trying to fucking 
maneuver the goddamn blade against my, you know, and I'm like, well, fuck it. I'll just, if I got to do this, I'll just, I'll take the blade in my hand and move the motherfucker. You know what I mean? I was like doing all kinds of different shit just to not have to have this. I could, I could like psychically feel what it would, because I've stabbed shit before, like inanimate shit, like what it would feel like that pop of the skin. I'm like, I can't have that in my fucking like body memory. Like, I don't think I could live with myself doing some shit like that. So I couldn't imagine the idea of like a global revolution type horse shit. (laughs) <laughs> that's just such a crazy even in this movie we're gonna have to wait for revolution no wrong <laughs> wrong interpretation right <laughs> it's like fuck i just couldn't believe well i can believe because there's always that one motherfucker and that's the reason why i would never want his idea of the world to become the world it's fucking horrifying that's like the motherfuckers, those, uh, I don't I don't even know their names. Just some niggas on this corner with the gold talking shit about Israel and all them motherfuckers. It's the same horse shit. It's like, go fuck yourself. You know, I, I get why you mad. <laughs> it's just that, like, some people, once they get an idea in their head that fits that idea in their head that that's the way the world works, there ain't no changing it. It's like the idea of, like, I knew the world wasn't going to get any better in my generation just because I looked around my high school. I was like, these motherfuckers is dumb. These motherfuckers listen to the radio, and they're all into hor- whatever bullshit is on TV, and oh, we're fucked. And that's exactly where we are. My contemporaries have done shit. <laughs> they're horrifying. Okay? We'll see. We'll see. But so far, it looks like some same old, same old shit to me. I remember all of this same anger in like the year, what was it, 2000? When George Bush was elected. So fuck off. We'll see what happens this time. We'll see. I ain't getting my hopes up. I ain't getting shit up or down. I'm just like I have always done my entire life. I'm here for the ride. I want to see what happens. I'm an observationalist. And I like just seeing what the fuck goes down because the world is very interesting. And like, it's just crazy to me. Who in the fuck would want to just. Yeah, let's arm all the black people. That sounds you give me the gun. I'm what? What? <laughs> what am I going to do with this? I'm not shooting anybody. Like, I've always been the, the, like of the mind, like. If I had to like go to war, I'd have to like I would have to defer myself to some sort of conscientious objector. I'm not fucking doing it. I can't imagine. I've like shot like shit for Boy Scouts and shit. Like I know how to, sh- and I don't like. I don't even like. This is what's how big of a pussy I am. There's these little slimes and dragon builder that are fucking cute little. I've been playing with these things. Dragon's Quest is the same thing I think as Dragon Warrior which I've been playing since the mid-80s, early 86, 87. So, like, <laughs> they have these cute little, they look like, um, oh, like a dollop of whipped cream. Just bloop, right? And they're these little slimes. There's, like, blue ones and there's, like, orange ones. Yeah, orange ones. And they're like, they, like, fucking smile. <laughs> and they have eyes and they smile. And you have to kill those things to, like, make oil and shit <laughs> for torches. It's, like, horrifying. I hate that shit. And it's, like, what a pussy. 
It's a game. Get over it. I know. But when I see him and I have to, like, I kill the minimum amount that I absolutely have to just to get that shit done. It's so fucking weird. But it's like, hey, man, you know, I do it because it's a game and I don't care. But it, it's just, what's that say about me, man? <laughs> I'm a pussy, you know, right? I don't like taking lives. Like, I'll eat meat and, I, you know, it's weird. It's just a weird fucking thing in my head. I don't know. I Don't make me do it. How about that? I think that's what it comes down to, <laughs> right? If this, if this shit's got to go down like that, I, ugh. Like, I think about those fucking child soldiers in Africa. You know, it's like, I, I, I always feel so fucking lucky to have been born where I have been born, fairly when I was born. Like, I'd have taken a fucking, like, around the time, like, maybe when my brothers were, but, you know, what's 12 years, 14 years between friends? But, um, anyway, so Tracy Ullman was on uh, Stiff Records, actually, which is, like, one of the best punk rock records of all time. You know, I used to get a lot of fucking cool stiff record stuff when I was working at the record store ages and ages ago. And um, Breakaway was one of their fucking cool songs. I might play that after this, but um, just one of my favorite. Just I, it's a, like I said, it's a cover of a Chrissy McNichols song. The video is a cameo with Paul McCartney. She was a very, still is, she's not dead, a very celebrated British comedian. I used to like when they said that, <laughs> comedian, and then, and then, and um, it's just gorgeous. Here we go. They don't know. Oh, Abe, this uh, used to open her show, which started The Simpsons. And uh, there you go.
love that goddamn song. Oh, man. What a cool tune. You know what? Um, if you ever see the video, it's really awesome about it. Well, one of the really one of many fucking things that's great about it is it has an aesthetic that I just, uh, I'm still in love with. It's like this really sort of cheap film stock, but it's just, ah, uh, boy, it's just, it looks so good. Sort of grainy, sort of, ah, uh, boy. I don't know. I grew up with it. It's one of those things I just can't, can't shake, can't shake it, baby. Can't shake it, baby. But yeah, it's a cool fucking song. Um, what's one of the cool things too about it is the um the final character she plays is one of her like myriad of characters who I think she still fucking plays once in a while, which is like <laughs> I don't know if it's about put upon, but certainly just busy like sh- like mom. And it's really cool to see her. And I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100% sure she had like a some show in Europe. And I could look this up, but I'm not going to right now. But like you can see that some of the same people that she had at least performed with live and stuff are in this video with her. Especially the fella. And um, yeah, it's just uh, it's a good thing. What's, what's, one of the things that's going to be interesting to me is um, how... Cause like obviously that tune is like a like a '60s throwback in the early '80s. I want to see what the um what is it? Yeah, what the '90s throwbacks look like. Because like one of the things that's sort of funny is like living through something and then seeing how somebody recreates that idea or the aesthetic of what that was is so funny to me. <laughs> like, cause it it's never fucking right, right. You know, it's sort of, yeah, yeah, it's kind of what it looks like, but that's not what it really looked like, you know, (laughs) you know, and obviously this is like in in service of parody and satire, like the way that they do the video on this, but like, um, it's just really funny. Like the idea I, I like to think of like, um, oh, like the Godfather and stuff like that, where they turn the clock back to the, you know, gangsters and shit, but (laughs) So yes, it should be interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Or like Happy Days 50s or something, you know? It's like But once again, that's a comedy. I'm trying to think of like something that's not a comedy that was like set back, you know, like yeah, who gives a fuck? <laughs> Cuz I don't care. I was thinking like, ah, I care. No, I don't care. But um it should be cool. Oh god. But um I want to get my buddy to make a fucking documentary on uh, Tony Basil. Basil. She's the best. She's like, has such an amazing fucking history between the lockers, which is what's like her most famous thing, I guess. Well, probably, no, fuck that. Her most famous thing is Mickey. And, um, but she did like all, well, first off, she's in Easy Rider. She plays the girl. The the woman in the the naked cemetery girl is Tony Basel in in that, but that's like her late late movie because she is also in like uh, I believe Viva Las Vegas. Uh, I didn't bring my journal with me. Shit, but oh, uh, Robin and his Seven Hoods. She's like a featured dancer slash choreographer. Her parents were both on Ed Sullivan. As like I said, I don't have their names on with me right now, but. It's really cool. Like she's like a long, like uh, she's in one of the beach blanket movies as a once again a fucking choreographer in that. Um, she's got a long fucking history, man, from the sixties, certainly through the eighties, like 
and she still does shit for like my best friend's wedding and like you know so like she has like been a constant uh source of some of the most amazing dance in america for the last i don't know 40 50 years and as far as i can tell there's nothing really on her so that's why i want to have my friend do it and as uh uh what is that it's a tribute to the lovely miss basel because <laughs> for a long time i didn't know i honestly didn't know if she was white or not like because like when i first saw her like do the break shit well i guess i knew it what thought she was like puerto rican or something i don't know but no <laughs> wrong she's just just a white lady <laughs> but she's got moves like a ball
That's in the national fucking register. or some shit. Isn't that crazy? I'm crazy, man. Yeah. So most people would just write that shit off as like a fucking one-hit wonder type shit, you know? But no, she's got like a huge catalog of like, like, if not music, her like, like I said, her professional dance career is really like it's up, it's up there with like Debbie Allen and shit. Like maybe fucking bigger. <laughs> Debbie Allen never started like the premier fucking breakdancing group. She's like, in fact, they didn't even call it breakdancing really. They call it fucking rock dance. Right? Like, the Boobaloo, all them dudes, that's her. That's them. They started that shit, like, in uh, Philadelphia. But I think I talked about this shit last week. I'm not going to get fucking started again. Never mind. But I just love that. Never was it literally funny about that song. I never was a fan of the, big fan of that when I was a kid because it was just so simple. But um, I always liked the video because the video had uh, just these, like, fucking badass women that were just like... So I was like, that's cool. Like, they, it's just really fun. It's a fun video. Yeah, I, I can't remember where exactly, but it's in some sort of, you know, whatever, fucking Washington National something or other. But, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so weird. Rock dance. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I used to love, um, what was that, when they, um, like, the proto-terms for shit when people are still coming up or, like, trying to codify what something is. Like, all these, like, early terms. And, like, yeah. Like, the robot popping, locking. Locking is for the lockers. <laughs> That's what it means. It's so crazy. But, uh, like, in fact, I saw them once. Like, what really fucking turned my head around with those guys was... Uh, and with her, which at the time I didn't know she was in the fucking group, was that Saturday Night Live appearance that they have. I just saw that thing. I was taping all those. I still, which is crazy. One of these days, it would be amazing if I just digitized all these motherfucking tapes that I have from, it's like hundreds of videos. It's just fucking, it's got all that goddamn commercials and everything on there. But anyway, um... One of them was just, I was taping, like, what was it? I'm trying to remember what fucking movie it was. Oh, it was for Beverly Hills Cop 3. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> just popped in my head. Yeah, we're playing, uh, because I remember, uh, 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 Pendulette talking about, yeah, hey, yeah, we're, um, yeah, we're gonna get ready. <laughs> you know, blah, 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 for, uh, for Eddie Murphy, for, you know, and all this bullshit, and, um, that was a horrifying... Yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to keep doing my, my terrible, terrible impression of him. But no, um, how... What am I trying to say? Anyway, he's just describing the fact that they had, um, you know, were running this fucking... Oh, they were playing every episode of Saturday Night Live that had Eddie Murphy in it, including the In Search of a Black Republican, which does not have, he's a background player. <laughs> you know, it's like, what is that? Uh, Mutual of Omaha, In Search of the Black Republican. And, you know, he is literally a, a background player in a suit. And he's just like, does some background shit. And that's it in the whole fucking episode. But I think, and I'm probably wrong, but I'm fairly sure it's either on that one or 
might, might be the one with Mayor Ed Koch, probably, because it's fucking New York or something. But anyway, the, uh, which doesn't make any sense, because they're all in New York, George. Anyway, the, um, <laughs> the idea that I can't get a fucking thought out of my head. Anyway, what was cool was, I, because people always talk shit about those, well, it's not Lauren Michaels ears. Well, fucking Lauren Michaels ears ain't all that fucking awesome either. Like, I'm a fucking fan of the top, the big five up top, you know, the original not ready for primetime players. That's where my love for them fell in. And then, you know, I, I think not, yeah, it's pretty much all sort of fucking interchangeable after that, really. After those, like, because they were, like, iconic. And after that, it's like, for me, I don't, personally, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think Will Ferrell's funny. Ever. I, like, r- rarely. Not ever, but, like, he's rarely funny. Or Adam Sandler. Or fucking Chris Farley. <laughs> like, there's, there's a few that slide in there and make some really cool moves. Like, I really like Dana Carvey on there. And oh, who gives a fuck what I like? But all that matters is, it's like, it's sort of interchangeable from that, from really season five on you know you know i don't i still you know i don't it, what's really the difference between stacking the deck with like christopher guest and martin short or you know there's the newest crop of talent that's going to eventually be them you know i don't know the amount that it costs to get them guess that's about it anyway back to dimension x I'm going to play a very classic thing by one of the great American authors, uh, Ray Bradbury, The Martian Chronicles. Dimension X. On stage tonight, Dimension X. Tonight, Dimension X presents... The Martian Chronicles, a dramatization of the new novel by one of our most brilliant young science fiction writers, Ray Bradbury. The Martian Chronicles. January in the year 1999. One minute it was Ohio winter with doors closed, the panes blind with frost, icicles fringing every roof, children skiing on snowy slopes. And then a long wave of warmth crossed the small town. A flooding sea of hot air. Bye, Mom. I'm going out. William McClellan, you come back here. You know you can't go out in winter without a cold. You want to catch your death of cold? But it isn't cold. It's warm outside. It's rocket summer. Rocket summer? You know, like Indian summer. The rocket lay on the launching field, blowing out pink clouds of fire and heat, cracking the icicles, melting the snow, making summer with every breath of its mighty exhausts. It seared the faces of the watching crowd and drove them back. And then they saw the red fire and heard the big sound as the silver rocket shot up toward Mars and left them behind on an ordinary Monday morning on the ordinary planet Earth. in a house of crystal pillars on the planet Mars by the edge of an empty sea. 
And every morning you could see Ila eating the golden fruits that grew from the crystal walls. Or her husband sitting alone in his room reading from a singing metal book over which he brushed his hand as one might play a harp. Ila and her husband were not old. Once they had liked painting pictures with chemical fire, swimming in the canals when the wine trees filled them with green liquors and talking into the dawn together. But no more. Marriage sometimes makes people old and familiar while still young. And Ila was not happy now. This morning she sat dreaming between the crystal pillars and wished that somehow a miracle might happen. And then suddenly... Ila, did you fall? No. I thought I heard you cry out. Did I? I was almost asleep and had a dream. In the daytime? Hmm. You don't often do that. Strange. How very strange. I dreamed about a man. A tall man. Six feet tall. Oh, absurd. He'd be a giant, a misshapen giant. I know. And yet, somehow he looked quite handsome. He was dressed in a strange uniform... And he came down out of the sky in a long silver craft. Out of the sky? <laughs> what nonsense. He spoke pleasantly to me in another language. But somehow I understood him with my mind. Telepathy, I suppose. A really, Ila. And he said, I've come from the third planet in my ship. My name is Nathaniel York. A stupid name. Who ever heard of a name like that? Perhaps they have names like that on Earth. Well, that's ridiculous, Ila. Everyone knows the third planet is incapable of supporting life. There's too much oxygen in their atmosphere. I suppose. But haven't you ever wondered if... Well, wouldn't it be fascinating if there were people there... and they traveled through space in some sort of ship? Oh, really, Ila? You know I hate this emotional wailing. Now, let's get on with our work. Evening came... The twin white moons of Mars were rising, and the house closed itself in like a giant flower. A wind blew among the pillars, stirring Ila's russet hair, crooning softly in her ear. And it was then that she began singing the song. Drink to me, only thine eyes, and I will... Ila, what's that song? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I've never heard it before. Did you compose it? No. Yes. No, I don't know, really. I don't even know what the words are. They're in another language. It was part of the dream I had, I guess. Oh. You know, you haven't been yourself lately. It might do you good if we went away to the Blue Mountains for a week or so. Uh, what? Did you hear what I said? I'm sorry. I was watching the sky. You're certainly interested in the sky tonight. It's very beautiful. Well, what about my suggestion? Shall we leave for the Blue Mountains in the morning? You mean go away now? Oh, no. No? Why not? Why don't you want to go? I don't know. I just don't want to, that's all. Ila, I'm sick of that silly song. It's late. Let us sleep. 
From the crystal walls poured a soft carpeting of mist to support Ela where she lay down to sleep. But through the night she tossed restlessly until just at dawn the dream recurred. Ela, Ela, wake up. What? Oh, what is it? You've been dreaming again. You talked in your sleep. Did I? Yes. What were you dreaming? Oh, the ship. It came from the sky again. And the tall man stepped out and talked with me. <laughs> Telling me little jokes and laughing. What else happened? And then this, this Captain York... Oh, I can't. It's all so silly. Tell me! He said I was beautiful. And then he kissed me. I thought so. What else? Why, Eel, you're so bad-tempered. It's only a dream. Is it? You know I can read your mind. You can't keep secrets from me. Well, all that happened was this Captain York told me... Well, he told me he'd take me away in his ship into the sky. Take me back to his planet with him. <laughs> it's quite ridiculous, really. Ridiculous, is it? You should have heard yourself fawning on him, talking to him, singing with him all night. In your dream, he landed in Green Valley, didn't he? Please. And he told you he was coming today. Yes. But what's come over you? It was only a dream. You can't be jealous of that. No, no, I suppose not. Forgive me. I'm being childish. Eel, you're sick. You've been working too hard. No, no, I'm all right. But perhaps you're right. Maybe I could use a little relaxation. Yes. I think I'll take the morning off and go hunting. Hunting? Yes, in Green Valley. Numbly, she watched him go to a closet and draw forth an evil-looking weapon. And then her husband was gone, walking toward Green Valley. And Ela waited... Watching the sky for an unknown thing, trembling with a nameless fear. And then it happened. A whirring, rushing sound. The warmth as of a giant fire passing in the air. The gleam of metal in the sky. He's come. It's true. The dream is true. The rocket vanished over the hill. The sky was empty again. And trembling, Ela waited again, looking toward Green Valley and seeing nothing. Listening for sounds and hearing nothing. Until... A shot sounded, very sharply, the sound of the evil weapon. Oh, no. No, no, no. Her body jerked with the sound, and she wanted to scream and never stop screaming. For now she knew the dream could never come true. There was nothing left but the song... The strange and fine and beautiful song. Drink to me only with thine eyes, and I will pledge with mine. Or leave a kiss within the cup. <laughs> But still the rockets came. The next ship came down from the stars and the black velocities and the silent gulfs of space and landed by night near a Martian city. 
the men made their way to the outer rim of the dreaming city. And then Jeff Spender went in to reconnoiter while the others watched and waited. Waited for something to stir in the haunted city, some gray form to rise, some voice to break the unearthly stillness. Where were the people? Where were the Martians? Nothing stirred to disturb the silence until... Oh, goes there? Don't shoot! Hold it, Parker. Let's spend her in his party. They're coming back. Captain Wilde! Over here! Well? Captain, we've searched the city. People were living here last week. People? Martians. Where are they now? Dead. Dead? What did they die of? You won't believe it, Captain. Chickenpox. Good Lord, no. Yes. No resistance to an Earth disease, I guess. So the other rocket did get through to Mars. It looks like it, Captain. God only knows what the Martians did to them. But at least we know what they did to the Martians. You mean they're all dead? Yes. This planet is through. Hey! You hear that, guys? We're safe! <laughs> Break out a bottle, Cookie. Let's have a drink to celebrate. Stop it, Parkhill. Put down that bottle. Ah, what's eating you, Spender? The planet's ours now. We got a christener, don't we? <laughs> I christen thee the city of... Uh, I christen... Hey, Park Hill City, huh? Park Hill, I warned you! All right, Spender, that's enough. That'll cost you a $50 fine. Cookie McClure, take care of Park Hill. Spender, you come with me. All right, Spender, why did you hit him? I don't know, Captain. I was ashamed, I guess. Ashamed of Sam Parkhill and the noise and the spectacle the whole crew is making. It's been a long trip. It's only natural they'd want to have their fling. Yes, but where's their sense of what's right? Their respect for what's happened here? Captain, a race builds itself for a million years. Refines itself, builds cities like this one. Does everything it can to give itself respect and beauty and... And then... It dies. Of what? Not anything fine or majestic or fitting, but... But a dirty little thing like chicken pox. And Sam Parkhill wants to celebrate. I know, Spender, but you've got to remember you've a different way of seeing things. I'm seeing things all right. I'm seeing what we'll do to Mars. We'll rip it up, rip the skin off, ruin it the way we've ruined our own planet. Captain, look at the city. It may be the last time you'll ever see it this way. Beautiful in the moonlight, isn't it? Yes. There's a poem by Byron that describes it. And how the Martians would feel tonight. If there were any, any of them left. So we'll go no more a-roving so late into the night. Though the heart be still as loving and the moon be still as bright. For the sword outwears its sheath and the soul wears out the breast. And the heart must pause to breathe and love itself must rest. Though the night was made for loving and the day returns too soon. Yet we'll go no more a-roving by the light of the moon. Without a word, the Earthmen stood and looked at the city. 
The bottle lay shattered at Sam Parkhill's feet. And the sour stench of liquor filled the cool air. The men of Earth had come to Mars. The men of Earth came to Mars. They came because they were afraid or unafraid. Because they were happy or unhappy. Because they felt like pilgrims or did not feel like pilgrims. The government posters screamed, There's work for you in the sky. See more. The men shuffled forward, all kinds of men, all coming for different reasons. The rockets came like drums beating in the night. They came like locusts swarming and settling in blooms of rosy smoke. Mars was a distant shore, and the settlers spread upon it in waves. First the pioneers and builders, then the people of civilization. Some came because they were afraid of a coming war on Earth. Some came because they were afraid of nothing. Some came to escape from the smell of the subways and the cabbage tenements. And some came from houses like the one in Ohio. It was a good house, the house in Ohio. And for six years, the family had lived there contentedly, enjoying music and poetry and the rich, warm things of life. For the house had been built to be lived in in the year 2020. It contained all the latest automatic devices, from talking book recorders to singing clocks. As the family rose and dressed, the beds whirred electronically and made themselves. In the kitchen, the stove sighed and ejected from its warm interior eight eggs, sunny side up, twelve bacon slices, two coffees, and two glasses of milk. Seven, nine, breakfast time. Come and dine. Seven, nine. Beside the breakfast table, the facsimile machine clacked and deposited the morning paper on the table. The headlines today spoke ominously of the danger of a coming war. And the man frowned as he read the news. Today is August 4th, 2026. Insurance, gas, and atom heat bills are due. And today, remember, the family has planned a picnic. Gee, Dad, are we really going? Sure, Timmy, why not? It's raining out. It's not raining where we're going, son. Now run upstairs, pack your fishing tackle. We're going on our picnic, all right. Okay, Dad. Bill... Are you sure we ought to go? Yes. Have you seen the headlines this morning? Looks bad, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. The rocket's ready. All we have to do is pack and take off. I know, but... Well, flying to Mars, it seems so crazy. Well, all right, then we'll go. Should we tell the children why we're going? No, not yet. Let them enjoy the picnic. <laughs> The house went on with its appointed tasks. 9.15, time to clean. 9.15, time to clean. Out of the molding darted hundreds of tiny mechanical mice, all rubber and metal. They sucked up the dust and dirt in the house and popped back into their burrows. In the walls, relays clicked. Memory tapes glided under electric eyes. Recorded voices moved under steel needles. 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Four o'clock, six o'clock, tick-tock, eight o'clock. Evening came, 
In the living room, the hearth fire bloomed out of nothing, and the phonograph spoke from beside the fireplace. Mrs. McClellan, what poem would you like to hear this evening? Mr. McClellan, since you express no preference, I shall select at random from among your favorites. Sarah Teasdale, There Will Come Soft Rains. There will come soft rains and the smell of the ground and swallows circling with their shimmering sound and frogs in the pool singing at night and wild plum trees in tremulous white. Robins will wear their feathery fire whistling their whims on a low fence wire and not one will know of war. Not one will care at last when it is done. Not one would mind neither bird nor tree if mankind perished utterly and spring herself when she woke at dawn would scarcely know that we were gone the phonograph finished the poem but there was no one there to hear for the family had gone to Mars On the Martian desert beside the highway, there rose a blare of red and yellow neon lights that spelled the death of Jeff Spender's dream. Sam's hot dog stand is what the sign read. And Sam, of course, was the same Sam Parkhill who had fought with Spender years before. 10,000 rockets were reported leaving soon for Mars with 100,000 hungry customers. And Sam wanted to be ready for them. Hey, look up there, Elmer. Mm -hmm. See that green star up there? That's Earth. Ah, good old wonderful earth. <laughs> Makes you feel almost reverent, don't it? Yeah. Sammy, you're hungry and you're starved. Uh, something, something. That's a poem I learned in school. <laughs> Come on, earth, Sammy, your rockets. Here's Sam Park. You're with the only hot dog stand on Mars. Sam, what if the rockets don't come? What if there's a war on this? Ah, don't worry. They're coming all right. Ain't nothing going to happen to spoil my plans, baby. I figured it all out. Sam! Hey, Sam, look up there! Earth! Well, what? Oh, no. It's catching fire. It's burning. Oh, no. That can't be Earth. Helma, they can't do this to me. I got all our money invested <laughs> in this place. Go ahead, Sam. Switch on more lights. Turn up the music. Get the hot dogs on the fire. There'll be another batch of customers coming along in about a hundred million years. Oh, no, it couldn't be. What a swell spot for a hot dog stand. Let you in on a little secret, Sam. This looks like it's going to be an off season. The light beam radio crackled with the news. By morning, the shelves of the luggage store were empty, and the rockets were blasting off, headed back to Earth. In a few days, everyone was gone, and the planet of Mars once more lay deserted and silent. And then, after all the rest had gone... One last rocket landed on Mars. A small, family-sized rocket come all the way from Earth. It seemed a long way to go for a picnic. But Dad had suggested a fishing trip, and Mother thought the whole family would enjoy a vacation. 
So here they were, floating down a Martian canal, with Timothy sitting in the back of the boat with Dad and Mother up front holding Alice the baby, and the deserted Martian towns drifting slowly by. Dad. What is it, Timmy? When do we see the Martians? You promised we would. Soon, Tim, soon. Oh, but William, the last Martians died out years ago. They're a dead race now. Not quite. Don't worry, son. I'll show you some real live Martians later on. Gee, this is swell. I wish we didn't ever have to go home. How long can we stay? A million years. A million years? Yes. It's time we told you, son. We're not going home. This is where we'll live from now on. But what about the rocket? What about Ohio? There's nothing there now but ruins. The last Earth radio just went off the air. That means the war is over and Earth is finished. We're going to blow up our rocket and start all over. See if we can't build a better world up here. You mean Mars is going to be our home? Yes. I hope you don't mind too much. No, sir. But what about the Martians? When do we get to see them? There they are, son. Look down at the water. I don't see anything there. Beside the boat. Look at the reflections in the water. But but that's us down there. Just you and me and Mom and the baby. Yes, son. You see, we're the Martians now. For a long, silent moment, Timmy stared down at the reflections of the family in the waters. And the Martians stared back up at him. Then he lifted his eyes to the deep ocean sky, trying once more to see Earth and the house he had always called home. But Earth was too far away, and the house was now only a heap of radioactive rubble. Only one wall remained standing, and within the wall a voice spoke again and again and again. Not one would mind, neither bird nor tree, if mankind perished utterly. And spring herself, when she woke at dawn, would scarcely know that we were gone. 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 Today is October 5th. have just heard The Martian Chronicles, a dramatization of highlights from the new novel by Ray Bradbury. The world of... Dimension X. The preceding was transcribed on NBC. National Greetings Week. Crazies. How the fuck have they been doing that shit? NBC. <laughs> I was talking to Pam about that. How come they don't have one of those for here? Mini Radio. Like, Mutiny. <laughs> hey, man. Earlier, I was I having a, my eyes to across fucking B.B. King's The Thrill is Gone. I was like, yeah, I could kind of listen to that, but I didn't want to listen to that. So I, I'm going with something else. Because um, I was thinking about, boy, you listen to a lot of girl music. And I was like, yeah, I do. 
<laughs> I don't like having fucking guys sing to me. I never have. I think it's the weirdest shit ever. Like, why? I don't need to hear no niggas sing. <laughs> why? But there are a few exceptions, of course. I love Al Green. I love Marvin Gaye. And I love Luther Ingram. So here we go.
bullshit. <laughs> now, <laughs> is he wrong? I don't know. That's up for debate. My answer is yeah, but you know, that's just me. <laughs> that's why I don't like listening to songs about <laughs> guys. It's generally, like, well, I want to fuck. <laughs> this guy's like, hey, is it wrong? I want to fuck around on my wife and two young children. For my money, yeah, but that's just because you decided to, like, marry that woman. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? But, you know, shit happens, right? You know? Life changes, motherfucking, you know. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be right. Well, you're not, so we're good. <laughs> oh, man. What was I thinking about? Oh, <laughs> all these dumbos. Oh, yeah, okay. What else was I thinking about? Uh, Oh, people are such shitheads. Can you believe that? Well, yes, you can believe this shit. <coughs> well, first, let's do this about the the 90s and the well, no, I was talking about I was trying to think earlier about how what what people are doing today that would be like 20 years ago. And I was like, well, is that does that always hold up? And I was like, well, yeah, look at the 90s. I, I present to you case study. um <laughs> Was it Puff Daddy, his entire oeuvre, or Dr. Dre and his entire fucking oeuvre? That's all 70s shit redone in the 90s. So I just wonder what the teens are going to bring. Because, like, the 80s sort of had that weird in the fucking aughts. But I was so out of the aughts. I don't even fucking, I couldn't tell you what the fuck was going on. Which is fine, because nobody cared to tell me. But, <laughs> but anyway... Just wondering. Just uh, oh yeah. Here's the thing. And it kind of goes back to that guy's point of about how <laughs> Black Panther's an evil movie or whatever the fuck. Cause like I like to think of like shit like this. Uh my mother made a good point one day about how like I asked her something, or she asked, she brought it up, or she had brought it up before, I had asked her some shit, but in the 80s, we were sitting around driving, and, uh, yeah, I think she had mentioned that, hey, you know, this area once had, like, a bunch of different black businesses in it, you know, now it's just a bunch of malls or some other horse shit, and I was like, wow, you know, we're back in Michigan, I was like, well, this, you know, that's interesting, how, what happened, you know, like, and by this point, I had already heard of, like, redlining, you know, and, um, you know, just exclusionary policies that just certain people would make. So, like, you couldn't even get in there. But, like, well, these motherfuckers are here. So, like, what happened? <laughs> and basically what it came down to is she was like, well, somebody sold it. <laughs> right? At the end of the day, no matter how much horse shit and all that bullshit, somebody sold the business. And I was like, and I thought about this the other day. Well, you could literally draw that shit straight back to Africa, right? Yeah, they're killing you and all that shit. But again, somebody had to sell those slaves, right? Right? Not all of these motherfuckers were killed and captured. I know for a fact that motherfuckers got sold. So, you know, just take that shit on the chin, Mr. Fucking Black Nationalist. What? The, tell me exactly how all this works out in your mind. Right. right. As if the idea that a goddamn Marvel movie is supposed to cure or solve or even attempt 
the fact that they even attempt a conversation, I think, is more than admirable because there are so many fucking ways you could have made this movie that was not anywhere nearly like this. Probably like the way that uh, Wesley Snipes wanted to do back in the damn 90s, you know? He wasn't going to go for no shit like that. And you wouldn't barely had seen Wakanda because they didn't have the fucking technology. So they would have just been him in a city. Boo. Right? So, you know, you got to take. That's one thing I've learned getting older is like you got to fucking. I, I give people a little more credit sometimes. Like especially on shit like artistic shit, especially on something that, oh, let's say there's like two hundred million dollars worth of fucking money getting poured into anything. I'm sure you're not going to be the most like strident revolutionary film because you you, you know why? <laughs> You'll never get two hundred million dollars in Disney to fucking back that. Okay, but then again, when I was a kid, I never thought we'd have a black president. It was a punchline to jokes. It was like. Such and it's literally a punchline. <laughs> it still is to me because I grew up on it. <laughs> all right, yeah, all right, well, fucking black president. Okay, yeah, sure. This country, right? Okay, that's you know that's what shows me. All right, well, you know, one of the many things in this world that shows me. All right, you know, but in my lifetime, I'm like, all right, well, maybe you can move the ball down the field in advance, like humanities, just like, just. Just humans as humans type shit, right? You know, I hate that dumb phrase, but it's really fucking true, right? You know, there's the human race and that's it, right? Because <laughs> we killed all the goddamn... <laughs> oh, that was fucked up. I was reading Science Magazine, right? You know that handprint in the cave like 40,000 years ago? It's supposed to be the earliest piece of art. <laughs> Those are Neanderthals that did it. The earliest fucking art that we can find that's put on Earth, <laughs> not by a bug or, you know what I mean, like conscious art, <laughs> we wiped their asses out. <laughs> it's not even ours. Can't even claim it. Now, you know, maybe people with big fucking foreheads and big jaws can or something. Well, I got a little Neanderthal in me, you know? Maybe you can claim that motherfucker, but that's about it, dog. <laughs> that shit is lost to fucking humanity. It's not ours. You know, don't touch it. <laughs> but yeah, um, in fact, it'd be a really cool, it's gotta be fucking public domain, that goddamn thing. They're not the hand itself, but there's like, there's like a small, like, it, they say it's like a ladder. It, you know, it looks like a ladder. Sure, why not? <laughs> I don't know who. I guess they're building ladders back then. Okay, so there's like a ladder, and then it looks sort of to me like a guy sitting down or a woman. You can't tell. It's sort of just a blob. But usually, when they portray women in old stuff, they have boobs and butt, big boobs and big butts for some really weird reason. But like, um. It just looks like a fella sort of sitting like I am right now on this goddamn stool. Feet kind of kicked out and crossed. <laughs> just elbows sitting on the desk. Back sort of not hunched, but just sort of over. And, you know, he's not talking into a microphone. But it's basically this pose right now. And it's really cool looking. You know, if you get a chance, uh, it's in science. Just go Science Magazine. It's very famous. Look it up. But it's really weird. <laughs> right that's that's us <laughs> well, unfortunately it looks like my man is like on an all-day assignment so that kind of sucks i was gonna play um 
another fucking radio thing, but I, I has not do that. What I am going to do, though, really quickly, is go look up my favorite fucking website on all of the fucking internet, Naked Capitalism with Eve Smith. She has one of the coolest, like, spelled and sounding name. Her name is Eve Smith, but it's spelled Y-V-E-S. That's fucking cool, man. But um, let's see what's going down in the news today. Let's see what's going on in the news. All right. Well, that's nice. The Supreme Court has narrowed the Dodd-Frank SEC whistleblower protections. That's cute. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, if hey, like me, I brew loose leaf tea in a, in a pot. So please, I will not take plastic with my tea. There's fucking plastics in fucking those, ugh, in those tea bags. What poisons are in your body, New York Times? Who knows? Oh, God. Let's see what this is. The terrifying, this is from The Guardian, so this, this might actually mean something. Let's see. The terrifying phenomena that is pushing a species towards extinction didn't say our species, so maybe maybe we'll be good. Oh God, what are these things? Oh, it's just it's just about oh, it's like two fucking like a camel or a deer and its baby just emaciated and laying on the ground. Yeah, I think it's the heat. <laughs> yeah, it's the heat. That's what they're talking about. It's the heat. Like uh, coral reefs at risk of dissolving. Yeah, I know. As uh, oceans get more acidic. Yeah, the Great Barrier Reef, I guess, is gone. <laughs> Fuck me, right? I guess it ain't great. This is kind of amazing. Former Freemason, 51, found drunk and naked inside a huge pipe organ with a toy gun in a remote-controlled police car, says he got lost while trying to hand out cheeseburger to the homeless. Thank you, Daily Mail. <laughs> Unenlightened thinking. Stephen Pinker's embarrassing new book is a feeble, is a feeble sermon for rap, rattled liberals. God, I got a little bit of... Uh-oh. FBI warns taxpayers to be aware of new scams to steal W-2 info. Who the fuck wants that? What, what are they going to do with that shit? <laughs> I'm steal all the W-2 shit I got because I ain't working. So go for it, motherfucker. They, I definitely got no W-2s for this motherfucker. <laughs> uh, the FBI, military, and ICE are customers of controversial, controversial stalker wear. Big Brother is watching you watch. Oh, God. A startup that runs marijuana dispensaries is America's first $1 billion marijuana unicorn. Thanks, Business Insider. Oh, you know what I really found that's sort of interesting? Like, um, I really don't follow, like, Hollywood, like, their gossip rags and shit. But a thing that I've been reading lately that's actually sort of interesting is the Hollywood Reporter, like, rap sheet. And it's not just, like, just arrests and shit. It's, like, also all the fucking court cases and lawsuits and all sorts of weird shit that actually goes on in Hollywood. Like, every fucking day, motherfuckers are in and out of court down there. It looks like if you were just... I see why people are entertainment lawyers now. Because your ass can get paid like a motherfucker, man. Like, people are constantly suing this guy and this girl. I Like, for some reason, it just never occurred to me until the other day I was looking something up. And um, I like I just sort of fell down the uh, 
the Hollywood Reporter rabbit hole, and I was trying to think of what, I'm trying to think of what the fuck I was looking up, but um, it's just really great. Oh, that's it. Oh God, it's so stupid. <laughs> yes, the Hollywood docket. Weinstein Company in truffle trouble after canceled Golden Globes bash. Yeah, right after fucking Harvey Weinstein. Which I always said was gross. It was gross. Ass was uh, fucking picked out. <laughs> like, he signed, like, um, these contracts for, like, $100,000, these truffle people, to, like, <laughs> for, like, for truffles. Lumpton Spungeli claims it paid uh, the Weinstein Company $400,000 to sponsor three Golden Globes parties, one each in 2016, 17, and 18, but it hasn't been, rep- been repaid more than 100000 after this year's event was canceled. Netflix, the event's co-host, announced in November the party wouldn't happen, followed, following a series of reports alleging decades of sexual misconduct by TWC, the Weinstein Company co-founder Harvey Weinstein. The truffle maker claims it invoiced TWC in December and the company acknowledged the debt, but it still hasn't been paid. The suit comes amid speculation of either potential sale of either a potential sale or bankruptcy in the studio's near future. By the way, there's no fucking way they can at least go on with that name, right? <laughs> you can't flash the Weinstein company in front of shit no more, I, I would think. In front of like especially the people who would go to see a Weinstein movie knows what the fuck that means. Like so, you know, it's not like you know, it'd be different if you were just flashing that shit at any AMC. But those movies generally fall on people who actually follow movies. Therefore, <laughs> this story was a bit unavoidable. <laughs> um let's see. Lint is suing for breach of contract. Conversion and unjust enrichment. Oof. <laughs> of course, the Weinstein Company has not yet replied to requests for comment on the complaint. <laughs> There's another weird one. Oh, yeah. Teen Mom star Farah Abraham is suing Viacom for wrongful termination, alleging the company fired her from the latest iteration of the MTV franchise because of her adult entertainment career. Abraham says she feared for her life when confronted and was sex shamed by an executive producer. Fuck off, lady. <laughs> the other one I was reading was a really weird one where um sad as fuck child star fucking Mickey Rooney was like a victim of elder abuse and then um his wife sued uh the Hollywood reporter for reporting on it. But not they didn't they didn't sue her for reporting. What they sued her for was for um hey good evening good morning was for um for questioning her. That's what they got mad about. She like she sued him for like emotional distress and all this shit for the questions. None of the other none of the reports about her actually abusing fucking Mickey Rooney were found to be untrue. It was just the fact that they asked. She sued for like emotional distress and shit. It was so stupid. Anyway, we got about two minutes, so let's play something fucking fast. Uh, yeah, let's play red tape. Yeah, let's see. Red tape. I can see, I can just see that tape. <laughs> Rad. Wrong. What's up, big guy? What's up, Paul? Yeah. Nothing much. Just finishing out my time here. Flying solo. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's all good. We're going to end this fucker with this quick minute song, and then we're going to hand it over. Yeah, I bet you it's real music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see, can't you see? Red tape. 
listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. My friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here. I'm giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere fun. $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. 
There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base 10 times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you practically feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, we've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. Every Saturday night, we've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco, and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special, a shot of bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open uh, in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shout. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Oh yeah, it goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Grinder. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF. I love their, their variety of cheese and home decor items and this of unique items that you can't find anywhere else. Their cheese section is insane. I love Rainbow Grocery because it's the number one grocery store to shop at when you're having a potluck and need to fulfill everyone's dietary needs. 
they don't have meat. Rainbow Grocery Cooperative, an amazing San Francisco staple since 1975. For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com Want to be a comic? It's not as easy as we make it look. But that's because Mutiny Radio has eight hours a week of open mic stage time for all your comedy workout needs. Strain those improv muscles every Sunday from four to six at Getting Sketchy with David Stolowitz. Press out those new jokes every Monday, six to eight on Joke Workshop with four-minute sets and four-minute critiques from everyone. Get positive by host Pam Benjamin. Pump those dick jokes every Thursday, seven to nine with True Hustle Thursdays. Hashtag THC. That's hashtag THC. You want more open mics? Fridays, six to eight. Happy hour with guest host and George D. Smith. Pew, pew, pew.